0: All right. It is still Thanksgiving week. It is Tuesday evening. My name is Eric Halker. today we're going to do a couple things. Uh, first, we're going to take a brief stop in the land of net neutrality because I've had a couple of people reach out to me in light of the announcement today and go, hey, um, I, I don't even know what that means. Why, why should I care? So we're going to stop there. And then uh, the insanity that is Hollywood um, continues to run out of control. Um, You've got Charlie Rose now John Lasseter of Pixar is stepping down We will talk about all of that Uh, My sister-in-law will join Because uh, I wanted to get a female perspective on the show And talk a little bit about what it must be like I mean, the Hollywood thing is is interesting to me But I'm more interested in what it's like To be a woman in America Trying to deal with all of this stuff So we'll talk about all of that uh, And we'll do it next It's the Incredible Hulk podcast
1: There are aspects of my personality that I can't
0: control Don't make me angry You wouldn't like me when I'm angry the
1: Incredible Halt Podcast. Now might be
0: a really good time for me to get angry. That's my secret.
1: I'm always angry. raised on television to believe that one day we would all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. The Incredible Halt. Besides, nobody's getting
0: hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. What up, what up, what up? It is Eric Holterin and The Incredible Halt Podcast. And uh, I had a couple of people reach out to me today because... Uh, the head of the FCC announced today that uh, he is working to roll back net neutrality, and that will happen on December 14th. So a couple things that I, I want to handle in order, and not the least of which, and my uh, sister-in-law Allison is here, so before I formally introduce her, if she chimes in at all, she is more than welcome to do that, so at least you know that who the other person that may or may not be talking. But the couple things I wanted to start with is this idea that I get that you might not be super interested in the idea of net neutrality. In fact, as somebody who does marketing for a living, it's a really shitty name to get people to pay attention. In fact, if you were looking for a way to get people to not pay attention, net neutrality is a pretty great way to do that. But before we get into... My thoughts and why I think this is dangerous, I do want to read a bit of what the head of the FCC wrote in the Wall Street Journal uh, in his op-ed entitled How the FCC Can Save the Open Internet. So understand that in 2014, Barack Obama and his administration put into place something called Title II. All you need to understand about that for the sake of this discussion, and uh, I will be bringing my friend Kyle Young in in the next couple of days to uh, kind of unpack this more because he's way smarter than I am about this and can uh, answer all of the questions that you will likely have after this podcast. But uh, the idea is that Title II shows up, and it's uh, essentially giving power to the FCC to oversee the Internet in a way that makes sure that they, in theory, control the way in which content is distributed on the Internet. And you'll hear this a lot that every piece of content or every piece of information that went through the internet was treated fair and equally, meaning that no piece of content or no application got preferential treatment Over another. Fast forward to as soon as this year started and you had a new administration in place. And this is not an indictment of the Trump administration. This is what happens with the FCC every time a new administration from a different party is in play. When Barack Obama is the head of the United States and the Democratic Party has control, the FCC operates by this premise there are five people on the board therefore if their one party controls those five people they tend to get all of their stuff done so here we are with a republican held congress you've got a republican in the white house and you have got an fcc that's made up of three republicans and two democrats therefore what i'm about to tell you is likely to go into effect on december 14th and it will happen uh because a couple of reasons one the aforementioned party that has the upper hand of three to two Two, because people that have been texting me all day don't understand what in the Sam Hell net neutrality is, so they don't know why they care. So there's not enough people kind of making some noise. And three, hackers decided it was a really good idea to hack the FCC site and put on 22 million fake comments about hating on this, which all that does is muddy the water. Okay, so now to the letter that was written for the Wall Street Journal. It says, as millions flocked to the web for the first time in the 1990s, President Clinton and a Republican Congress decided to preserve, quote, the vibrant and competitive free market that presently exists for the Internet. And this was before the AP Style Guide said the Internet was lowercase. So in this particular quote, it is uppercase. Uh, In the Telecommunications Act of 1996, and I will say this as somebody who worked in radio, this is the only thing that the Telecommunications Act of 1996 got right. It said the government called for an Internet that was, quote, unfettered by federal and state regulation. And the result was the greatest free market success story in history. Encouraged by a light touch high regulation, private companies invested $1.5 trillion in the next two decades to build out the American communications network without having to ask anyone's permission. Innovators everywhere use the Internet's open platform to start companies that have transformed how billions of people live and work. That paragraph I agree with. But in 2014, just days after a poor midterm election, here comes the bias, President Obama publicly pressured the FCC to reject the long-standing consensus excuse me, on a market-based approach to the Internet. So the idea that the market would decide what happens on the Internet, now it would be the government deciding what happens on the Internet. So instead, he urged the agency to impose upon the Internet service providers a regulatory framework called Title II which was designed in the 1930s to tame Ma Bell's telephone monopoly. So back before AT&T was AT&T, it was regularly called Ma Bell, and it was a huge monopoly. So a few months later, the FCC followed the president's instructions and voted along party lines, as I said before, and you get what is now called net neutrality, the idea that the regulation would make sure that all traffic is created equal and thus. So the letter goes on uh, and essentially says, This is why I'm proposing today that my colleagues at the FCC repeal President Obama's heavy handed internet regulations. Instead, the FCC would simply require internet service providers to be transparent so that consumers can buy the plan that's best for them. And entrepreneurs and other small businesses would have the technical information they need to innovate. The Federal Trade Commission would police the ISPs and protect consumers and promote competition just as it did before 2015. Instead of of being fly specked by lawyers and bureaucrats the internet would once again thrive under the engineers and entrepreneurs the FCC will vote on this proposal on December 14th if it passes Washington will return to the bipartisan approach that made the internet what it is today consumers will benefit from greater investment in digital infrastructure which will create jobs increase competition and lead to better faster cheaper internet access especially in rural America so we'll stop there and uh, let's tackle this in parts and pieces. So if you haven't tuned out in the last six minutes, this is where it gets good. So again, like I said, the idea of net neutrality is that providers treat content on the Internet equally. The other thing that you will hear in the next couple weeks, as long as we pay attention to it, is this idea of throttling. That's when an ISP or an Internet service provider purposely slows down traffic. The example I've been using all day long as people have been asking me, hey, what the hell does this mean, is pretend that you have both Netflix and Hulu and you're a Comcast customer. If Comcast decides that it does not like Stranger Things, it will throttle down Netflix so you cannot watch your show on Netflix, which would then what? It would make you watch Hulu, right? So if you only had Netflix and had Comcast in this scenario, you would be forced to go to Hulu, which Comcast owns a part of, and thus puts more money in Comcast back pocket. That's how throttling would work. How we got here is something called the General Internet Conduct Standard. And that's very boring legalese for a rule that allows the FCC to regulate the open internet. And why uh, is a little bit murky, but that's where we are. So here's why this is important. A couple things that are at the end of this letter is that it would build a better, faster, and cheaper internet, especially in rural America. Now, For some context, there are 10 million homes in the United States. Currently, according to the 2016 census, there are 125 million homes in the United States. 10 million of them have zero access to zero Internet wired or otherwise. Forty two percent of the homes in the United States have access to exactly one broadband provider. My house being one, and I do not live in a rural area. I live in a very decent-sized city outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan, where there should be more choice. I only have one. My previous house that was a mile away from this current house also had one, a different one. So I don't believe for a nanosecond that we're leading to better, faster, and cheaper internet access. In fact, I believe wholeheartedly that if net neutrality falls apart, as it likely will on December 14th, that what you will see is AT&T, Comcast, Verizon, and all the other telecoms celebrating because they will have complete control over what happens on the internet in the United States, over the broadband services that you currently pay for. And if you believe for a second, friends, and I mean for a nanosecond, that AT and T, Verizon, and Comcast are super excited. and I'll use Allison because she's sitting right here. Are super excited, I should say, for the Allison Internet Company to come on with their new Wi Fi product, so that innovation and entrepreneurship shall thrive all across America. I have a bridge to sell you because that's not how this works. That's not how it has worked. That's not how it will work. And that's why, whether or not you are a Democrat or a Republican. This is a very important issue because turning over all of this power, in my opinion, to internet service providers for them to be allowed to throttle as long as as long as they tell you about it. Oh, and we'll bring in the FTC because they do such a bang-up job of making sure there's no monopolies in the United States. And to bring them in to make sure that they're overseeing that the transparency is transparent enough, I just don't think is good enough. We are at the point, guys, that The Internet is something that you use every single day. Whatever you do, you use it every single day. However you access it, whatever you access it for. And the idea that every piece of content or all pieces of information are treated equal is super important. And one of the red herrings, and I've been talking about this most of the day, so it's top of mind. But one of the red herrings that you'll hear is like, well, we need more government control or we need service providers to control what stuff goes on the internet because that'll get rid of all the bad stuff this will not get rid of all the bad stuff and I will tell you why this won't get rid of all the bad stuff because it's likely that you have not either heard or gone to check out something known as the dark web because that's where all the bad stuff happens if you want to see the terrible ridiculously gross seedy underbelly of the internet that is in the dark web and that will operate in areas of the universe that comcast and at&t and verizon simply will not be able to legislate over even in a free market system where supposedly we're going to give back the power to the consumer and give them more choice. The chance of you getting more choice, as I said before, is slim to none. And I really do want to get into this more with an expert, but I wanted to talk for 10 or 15 minutes about this idea because net neutrality for me and free speech go hand in hand. And you'll hear them used a lot hand in hand where people are like, the the idea of the net neutrality allows free speech to happen. And yes, it does. But as I always say, when I talk about free speech, that's not free of consequence. I holistically, and I mean to my core, defend your ability to say what you want to say. I do not defend your ability to do so without repercussions. So you may have free access to the Internet to do whatever you want to do. But when you break laws or do terrible things, there are and will be, and I would hope continue to be, consequences for that. That's not to say that we need to start policing the internet and controlling who goes where and what happens when. I mean, we already have enough issues with privacy and tracking pixels and things that most people in their day-to-day life aren't paying enough attention to that when you pair all of that stuff up, and this is coming from a guy who does marketing in the digital ecosystem for a living, but when you pair that stuff up to three or four telecoms that then control all of the ISPs in the United States... You have a very similar scenario to what's currently happening with local TV news and Sinclair. And if you haven't been paying attention to that, you should certainly Google that after you listen to that podcast... And find out what that means for you. Because what it currently means, and for some reason, there is a petition on the FCC site, which you can get to at FCC.gov. There's currently uh, 15,000 people who are paying attention to the fact that Sinclair is trying to buy Tribune Broadcasting, which would give them access to, I think, 76% of the local TV stations in the United States. 76% of the local TV stations in the United States. This particular company has a very clear-cut point of view in the world, but I would say this for any company that wanted to own 76% of any part of the mediums that we currently consume. I would say this about iHeart. I would say this about anything. When a single company owns that big a slice of the pie, consumers don't win. They don't get better choices. Ask anybody who's currently consuming radio. Radio is not better today than it was 15 or 20 years ago. It just isn't. TV is not better today than it was 10 or 15 years ago. So the internet being in the hands of high-value telecom, excuse me, conglomerates, is not good for consumers. It just isn't. So please, 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 as the rest of the week, we're going to be doing podcasts up to and including on Friday. I am dropping the holiday mixtape. The 18th year in a row, I'm doing the holiday mixtape. That will happen on Friday. In between now and then, though, guys, spend four minutes there's about a thousand articles online about net neutrality and what is happening and what happened today spend about three minutes reading an article or two about net neutrality and understand that this is one of the most important things happening in the country right now whether or not you understand what net neutrality stands for you've got to get educated and you've got to get involved it's one of the things that i i wish more people would invest in is understanding the world around them and their place in it and how much power that you have or should have. And with that segue, I spent a lot of time last night um, pondering this new allegation against Charlie Rose uh, from PBS who was let go, CBS and PBS. He was let go uh, today, CBS let him go, in light of the allegations um, that he was doing things like walking around in front of female coworkers naked. Um, and, and what's been fascinating to me and why I wanted to talk to my sister-in-law about this, who's much younger and having to deal with, I, I think a different version of this than my wife currently is, uh, as she's, um, we'll just say 30 for the sake of me staying married. Um, but I, the stories are getting crazier and crazier. Just as right before we start this podcast, John Lasseter of Pixar—he's their chief creative officer—is taking a leave of absence because he was making women feel disrespected or uncomfortable, uh, including some unwanted advances at Rashida Jones, um, who you may or may not know, uh, was co-writing Toy Story. I don't know, according to the story, if she's still part of the project or has stepped down completely, but he is taking a leave of absence. And Al, before we start talking, uh, I was reading this right before the podcast happened, and I I just wanted to reiterate this because I, I think this is kind of encapsulates questions I have about current Hollywood. His quote when he's doing the thing, step two of this is admit that you're a horrible, shitty human being. Uh, Step two is write the apology letter, which includes this quote. I've recently had a number of difficult conversations that have been very painful for me. Oh, really? They've been painful for you? Really? It's never easy to face your missteps. I'll add this aside, especially when you're a dipshit. But it's the only way to learn from them. Collectively, and why? Like, seriously. Collectively, you mean the world to me. And I deeply apologize if I've let you down. Okay, and on that note, Al, um, how do we fix this? No, I'm kidding. Um, I wish I had that answer. Right, I, I wish you did too. <laughs> so you you've been in the professional workforce for what? Four, four y- years. Four years, yeah. right? Four years. And you're 24. 23. 23. Um, when you've been, I mean, right again, right before we started, you, you're like, Hey, what is the, give me the list of the people that have been fired in the last month. And I I can give you a partial list. Um, Amazon studios had Roy Rice, Kevin Spacey, Louis CK, the aforementioned Charlie Rose. Um, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, what's his face from transgender, uh, has left the show because he was also a terrible person. And, this and this is what I was saying on Twitter um, last night is like I look at this list and I think to myself, well, this feels systemic, right? This feels like there's something going on in Hollywood that makes them act in this profoundly insane way. Ken Evans and I uh, host an MMA show and we often try and ascribe what we call real-world scenarios to things that happen to MMA fighters or don't happen to MMA fighters. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, let's just take the Charlie Rose story. Like, you work at, at a company here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. If a male coworker was walking around without pants, how, how long would he be working there? I mean, are we talking minutes or, like, 45 yeah. seconds?
1: Yeah, hopefully seconds. But, yeah. But this is,
0: like, this was something he did on the regular walking around without pants on.
1: Do you know when? Have who, they said who when? Can, give us a shit well, when? I know, but it just seems like these stories are like, oh, 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, well, and, and that's some of the stuff with, like, um, the only story that it seems to have any sort of gray is... Um, What's-his-face whose name escapes me? George Takai from Star Trek, right? Where that's 37 years ago. He claims he doesn't know the guy. Now, to be fair, I have not been following that story down the rabbit hole. So if something has come out in the last week, I'm I'm unaware of it. But, again, to what you were just saying, like for a lot of people, I think the Louis C.K. story is the sickest one, right? Because this is a guy who's doing this stuff actively, you know, masturbating in front of females who are trying out for... Like, all this terrible stuff. And then he puts it in his act and puts it in his character on Louis. Like, he's literally flaunting this thing that he feels gives him a superpower. But the reason I wanted to talk to you was not how do we solve whatever the hell is happening in Hollywood. Is, but to talk about... To get an understanding from you about what it's like to be a female in the workforce and what it's like you know no disrespect to any employer your current one or any of the ones that you'll have going forward but this i think this idea that as a female in the world you were looked upon in such a drastically different way that i often wonder like how one gets up every morning and goes yeah i want let, let's do that again that sounded really fun
1: yeah it's It's an interesting take and it's been, I don't want to say interesting again. It's been challenging, I guess, the last four years, just trying to make my own way through the professional workplace as like the older I get and the more um, activities and community that I'm involved in and just how I'm spoken to sometimes. To be like oh you 're just twenty three or you 're just a female, or you're like you haven 't graduated and,
0: and unfortunately you 're both of those yeah,
1: I know <laughs> right because like, yeah.
0: you, you do see that oh you 're twenty three what could you possibly know, but mm-hmm. at the same uh, uh, token, I was listening to joe rogan 's podcast today, and he was talking about his neighbor is twenty one years old and bought a $10 million house next door to him off of YouTube money, right? So, Is it Jake Paul? I, hell if I... I don't know. You, <laughs> Of course you would know who this is with those two single pieces of data. Um,
1: well, he just bought a $6.9 million house. That, that's probably so him,
0: then. Yes, that's probably him. Uh, so, you know, I'm mesmerized about, like, how you... Make your way in the world and and you've recently started to join all of these boards, which I I think probably only compounds the problem because usually nonprofit boards are seated with people who are much older and savvier and have a different view of the world. Um, You know, how do you approach these situations to go? I, I have a voice and I have a voice that's worthy of being heard and I have a point of view and, you know, I'm going to share it and hopefully you will listen.
1: Yeah um i think i just like i just make a point that i'm here and i'm this is my job or i'm on this board and you're going to listen to me and my point is valid and i'm reading or i was reading over the summer this book the feminist fight club in it they talk about how men lean in in meetings and they interrupt the most and so I've noticed that, like I'm taking these key points from this book. I'm like, oh, like I've never noticed this in meetings before, but for women speaking and how they're treated, it's just so interesting. And so when I'm in these like moments where I hold the power in a meeting or I'm speaking at, a in front of the board, I'm the youngest one on that board. I'm the youngest one on my team at work. So I just need to make sure that I know I have all of my information right and that I know what I'm doing, and which isn't always the case. I mean, I mess up, but I, to the best of my ability, have everything laid out. So then if somebody wants to say like, oh, that's not right, or like, what are you doing? I can back up myself.
0: So, but how did you get there, right? Because again, not to be very specific to what you're doing and where oh, yeah. you're working, right? But there are many choices along the way that lead you to not... Lead meetings at twenty three years old yeah. leads you to not want to join a board leads you to not want to hang out with young professionals and grow yourself in a networking capacity. So how how did you how do you feel that you got there and made those decisions to not you know order your Starbucks put your headphones on <laughs> put your head down work four hours take a lunch work four hours go home.
1: Yeah, um, I think I just have this, and this is going back to my sophomore year in high school we did this presentation on like what we want to do when we're older what kind of lifestyle we want to have and my teacher was saying like if you want to have this lifestyle that's traveling and ordering four starbucks a week and having a nice car and do all this stuff then you need to like bust ass and like you need to be better than everybody else around you like in my age group like i see people which is fine just working going home clocking in clocking out and like i can't like i don't want to do that i want to be better than everybody else because i have a higher standard to set for myself and i have a niece looking up to me so i need to be the you have best. two now right yeah oh yeah oh my gosh <laughs> yeah i have two that um are looking up to me that i need to show them that what women in this world are capable of because it's scary like Evelyn is older, so she's going to be in the workforce faster, but like I don't want her to go on this shit show, like I need to pave this world, so
0: yeah, but like i mean that that's noble, right, yeah, but like when you when you see from the top down like as a society, we we go, I mean, we didn't, not as many people as they wanted went to go see Justice League, but like, we go to go see movies, right? We go to consume yeah. shows on Amazon Prime. We go to consume shows on Netflix. And you're seeing, okay, this guy that you lo- look up to, n- not you, right? Yeah. But like, you love transgender. And it turns out that Jeffrey Tambor is a shitty human being, right? But as a guy. I go, well, Jeffrey Tambor is a shitty human being and has his own show on Amazon Prime. Maybe that's the way I should go, right? Kevin Spacey wins all these awards. People look up to him, and he's a horrible human being, apparently. I mean, the amount of counts that are against him is staggering. Maybe that's the direction I should go. So as a father of a daughter, I see this stuff, and I'm I'm going – John Lasseter, you had a hard time having the conversation that you were a shit human to your female coworkers. You're missing the point, man. Like, and these are all allegations, but there's so many of them. And it's in a segment of the world that is Hollywood that so many people look up to. In the Instagram and Facebook world, where they want to take their best photo and and they want to look their best or take the best side view of their 1990 Caprice Classic <laughs> and make it look like it's a 2017, right? Yeah. And we're striving to this unattainable Hollywood model in so many ways, right? When we're talking about your nieces, my daughter, um, they're being you know bombarded with this oversexualization. You know, we can look at. Yeah the Disney princesses who all have a very interesting zero size body type. Right. Um, and those messages are one side of the story. The other side of the story is the people that are running these organizations. The chief creative officer of Pixar turns out, you know, is not a great person and that can't help but bleed over into the rest of American culture. And I wonder what happens. Like, do you get the sense of the, the we'll make a differentiation for the sake of this discussion, even though I will consider them both to be men. Right. But the guys in your age group, and I'll call them guys and we'll call the 60 year old white guys, men, Right. (laughs) Um, The guys in your age group, do you feel like they get it more or they don't get it more? Like, do they treat you better than older guys do? Or is it the same? It's just different. Like,
1: yeah, so I guess it's the same but different because I think they see, and maybe it's because I carry myself differently because when I'm around, like, guys my age group, it's more of, like, a relaxed setting. Like, at my workplace, we wear jeans and t-shirts to work or sweatshirts sure. or whatever, and I think they just, I don't want to say they know that, like, if I'm in power. Like I'm not putting up with you interrupting me. I'm not putting up with you treating me like shit or talking down to me. I'm not putting up with that. But, and I think they respect that a little bit more. Now, if I'm at an event and it's a 60 year old white male who is trying to tell me what my company does that I've worked for for four years. That seems a little on the nose, but yes, not if that's a real story, but yes. Yeah. Or if, um, I feel like, those men talk down to me more and like I was at an event last month I think it was where the the demographic is 60 year old white men and up and then there's me 23 year old white woman that is in this group and I am the only woman sitting at my table and just having them like oh like what is your job like, what, why are you here? And that's when I'm like, oh, like, I'll talk about what I do all day, every day. But, sure. And I want you to appreciate that. But it's just different. And I think it's more harsher coming from them.
0: From the older? Yeah, from yeah. the
1: older. Because it's just button up. You wear a suit and tie and you go to work and your wife stays home with children. And it's not like that anymore. So.
0: No, um, but, I, you know, you, you you wonder how much... Like again, what you, for as much as you've been reading the last four weeks, you wonder how much that's really changed, right? Like, okay, maybe maybe you're not home making sandwiches, right? Yeah. But maybe you're making sandwiches in your Google kitchen, right? Yeah. Like, uh uh-huh. um, And I, there's nothing against Google. It's just an example that I can <laughs> use. But you know, like maybe it's different, yet the same, right?
1: Yeah. And and I
0: wonder, mm-hmm. um, because you see it, I. I see it a lot in my professional life where women who I consider to be much smarter than me are automatically put in this position where they've got to earn it in that room. Yeah. Right, they don't get the benefit of the doubt. They don't get the benefit of the doubt if they stand up. Like I was I was just at an event uh with one of my coworkers and um in what we do in the digital ecosystem, she is much smart much much smarter in this this part of the world that I just haven't had time to invest in. So I don't, I don't know it. It's a blind spot for me and something I would love to learn about. I just haven't had time. She's the expert, but when she stands up, you can almost feel the room be like, okay, prove that you deserve to stand up. Yeah. Like, what do you know? What, yeah. Or how did you know it? Uh Right. Like, um, and that was a really interesting moment for me because I didn't look at her like that. I looked at her like, oh, okay, we're doing this presentation and you're the expert in this thing. So clearly you would do that part, right? Uh-huh. It wasn't, uh, now let's take a break for the female perspective, <laughs> uh, right? Like that wasn't what it was. It was that yeah. you are the expert, but then you feel the, the room go, okay, now prove it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very fascinated about your, your mindset and how you stay... Like how you stay positive in in that environment, and how like because I, I would think after a couple of run-ins with people who talked down to you or asked you what you did or how you even know what what you did, like eventually it would just be eh, it's not even worth it. I'll just go, you know, I'll go to the tin can or a Griffins <laughs> game or whatever, and just do that, live that twenty three year old lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I think that. That's like the stubborn part of me coming out where now I just feel like I have to prove them wrong and I have to be better than I have been and I have to be the best of my age group, which I am not close to being, but so then the the next time when I see that same person, I can be like, oh, I have a raise or I got a promotion and I'm not that same. Like I leveled up and you're still... Here. So how trying are you... to be a jerk to me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. So let's be specific. Like how are you know, where do you in it you know, it's so passe like you you know, job interviews, where are you gonna be in five years? That's oh. not what I mean. But like yeah. what what's the goal for you what's the immediate goal right now for you? Like when you say level up, what's your right yeah. now level up that you're you're walking towards?
1: Um, right now it would be to not be in an associate level at work anymore and to be a specialist. So that's my immediate future plan.
0: And then, do you have like, do you have a long-term goal, like, or are you just kind of going, I'm in the moment doing this thing in the moment. I'll see where this takes me and make decisions based on that.
1: Yeah. Well, my long-term goal is director of finance, but we'll see. <laughs> like, yeah. For the same company or just oh, anywhere? Um, anywhere. Same gotcha. company would be great, but I mean, wherever. I'm not really. I am, I'm going to say I'm not planted here, but I won't even move to Columbus. Right. So, <laughs> right. well,
0: I, you know, and, and I, 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 I asked you that question specifically because I, I think that's one of the things that can trip a lot of people up is that they don't get up every day. You know, they talk about leveling up or they talk about doing whatever it is that, you know, like to your point about whoever you're talking in this personal circle that you've run into, those people tend to be people that talk about things, but don't have any action and they don't have action because they haven't pointed the boat in a direction, right? Yeah. They got in the boat. Hooray for you. But now you have to go, I need to go from associate to specialist. And while I'm going from associate to specialist, I've got this long-term goal of director of finance. Mm-hmm. And in order to get there, here here's A, B, C, D, E, F, G – which only helps to serve what you were just talking about, which is like I'm going to go in these meetings and and own this stuff Mm -hmm. as much as I'm going to own my suck when I screw up. But I'm going to own both sides of this because I know that at the end of the day, I need to be over there. That's what I want to go do.
1: Yeah, and I think that with that worked, with where I work, it's a good level of where I can be like, hey, I just killed this. Or I don't like saying like, hey, I just killed this. But I like, I mean – Obviously, I like to know when I'm doing good. Sure. So if when other people say that, but I will be the first one to be like, I just realized this mistake. I just sent this report, and I'm looking over at it, and it's wrong, and I need to fix it, and I need to go to our VP of sales and just own up to what I did wrong. And they're like, okay, if you have a solution, you figure it out. We'll be behind you. We will help you with whatever, and then... That's the end of it. It's not like, hey, remember when you screwed up last month? Yeah, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> it's always just like, okay, hey, don't forget that formula that was wonky last month. And you're like, oh yeah, totally. Thanks. So that's a good part of where like I know that I'm like protected when I mess up, which happens quite a bit. But well, <laughs>
0: but but it happens quite a bit because you have the the ability to do that, right? Uh, yeah. Like, it, it's when you don't have the ability to do that that you screw up and it's like training a dog, right? When you (laughs) screw up and you hit the dog with a newspaper, well, that's a really terrible way to train a dog because then the dog just becomes scared of the newspaper, right? I become scared of failing, so I'm going to stay in my cubicle with my headphones on doing the thing that you asked me to do, and I'm not going to look around because if I look around, I might make a mistake, and the last time I made a mistake, you screamed at me in front of the whole company, so I don't want to do that.
1: Yeah, and like we have a good... Like I said, we have a good space to where we can mess up, but we call each other out. And so if I see that you messed up and you are putting a stop to like my job, so then we have critical deadlines that we have to hit. And if you mess up something that causes me to be a delay to mess up my stuff, I'm going to call you out on it and I'm going to help you, but I want you to realize your mistake first and then I can help you and we can resolve it. And then I can move on with my day.
0: So where do you think that came from? Because, I mean, I obviously have, like, I've known you for half of your life, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. um, where do you think that comes from?
1: Which part? Like, the just running and doing or? No,
0: like, just that, that point of view. Because, like, to be very honest, that's not your mother. So, where, where does no. that come from?
1: I, it's from you and Angie. Because, I mean, the last 10 years of my life. I think the majority of my time has been spent at your guys' house or your workplace or like right after school. I worked with both of you guys.
0: Yeah, well, and you've been living here since what sixteen, like something like that.
1: Something yeah, crazy like that. Yeah. So, and when I wasn't living here, I was literally here all the time. Right. So it's practically like I was living back here, and so I think just seeing your guys is worth that worth work ethic excuse me and everything that you guys do like you're always running and bouncing ideas off of each other and everything and like i have to live up to that and yeah. i have to <laughs> it's very different level right now but it's just so cool to see your guys is just like running and doing kind of so
0: that was not a i was not floating for no. <laughs> a compliment there but uh, i appreciate that yeah. I, well i just i was asking because I'm interested when people listen to this podcast, one of the things that they really like, is like, where do you get inspiration for from and, and how do you turn that into action? You know, cause it's yeah. one thing to read Gandhi and be, I'm super inspired by Gandhi and then never do anything to benefit human rights. Right. right? Like yeah. the, 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 the traversing from inspiration to action is kind of that, that sweet spot that I, I find interesting. So for you, um, I know that Sheryl Sandberg has been somebody that you, yep. that you are super into, but wh- you know, what are some other female leaders that you look up to or even male leaders that you look up to and yeah. go, oh, I, you know, I learned this from that guy and that from this person and, and I put all that stuff together. So when I go into these meetings, I'm able to handle these situations where we miss a critical deadline and I can handle it without making you cry or yeah. are you making me cry or us screaming and throwing frappuccinos at our faces, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you, who are some other people that you look up to?
1: Um, it's sad. I don't really have like a whole list of people, but I love just going and watching people speak because the way that they carry themselves, I think really helps me when I'm like, okay, like just take a deep breath, calm it down. Like you'll get through this. It'll be okay. Just break it down. But, um, just seeing how it like seeing people speak really helps me with meetings to be like, okay, Like TEDx, we're going to have three words on the screen and you're just, you're just going to talk. You're not going to have this crap up on your PowerPoint slide. Please don't do that. (laughs) Please never. If you're listening to
0: this podcast, please never do that. ever. Yeah,
1: it's the worst. So you're not just reading word for word. So I get that off of TEDx and just, I mean, that's how you speak and you do things like that. So.
0: But I, I mean, I also learned that from TEDx and I learned that from Seth Godin who a long time ago, yeah. I don't even remember when, when, wrote like six words on the slide max. And I went, oh, that seems like a really great idea. How about we go to zero words? Then I never have to worry about counting, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, you have like a stick figure and then right. you <laughs> do a four-hour presentation. <laughs> then you do four hours on that,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and all that comes from exactly what you're talking about is, is doing the work and, and getting the, the, the reps in to do those meetings so that you can do them it's muscle memory, right? Yeah. But you're also doing stuff like you're teaching classes for kids a couple times a year. And all of that stuff has been kind of a, a recent thing for you. What was the, what was the impetus for, I forget the organization that you just did, but like, what was the impetus for getting up and, and being a part of your organization to be quite honest, does some really amazing stuff in the city of grand Rapids, a lot of which I don't think they get credit for, but um, you guys went out and you, Taught at this um, academy that, that like has gifted students who are going to go on to do Lord knows what you know whatever amazing things. But what made you, what drew you to that project as well?
1: Um, so it's the Grand Rapids University Prep Academy. So they call it Grupa, and. Inner City Kids. Which
0: feels like a Mario Brothers game. I know,
1: yeah. Look it's like out, those, it's,
0: it's the Super Grupa.
1: Those little mushroom things. it's yes. um, a Super,
0: it's, it's a Koopa Troopa. <laughs> yeah, but, there yeah.
1: we go, it's close enough, whatever. Um, any inner City Kids from Grand Rapids that are in this, um, it's like a private school almost, and they have the coolest facility of any high school I've ever seen. Right downtown, near Unwealthy, I think. i really bad with it streets it's somewhere over there and um so I've spoken with them it's been this was my third year I just did a couple weeks ago and I just spoke to them about accounting and like my roles and technology and how you don't have to be like a coder to have these roles and these jobs and that um are like popping up all over with like At work, we say that we're trying to compete with Silicon Valley, and that's why we have fridges, and we have dartboards, and we have all of these things all over. Right, Like, we have to compete. And so I just want to make sure that these kids know that, like, there are options that are out there. Because I didn't. I wanted to be a teacher when I started school, and now I'm I'm going for my CPA. So it's a little different. And so I just want to help these kids, like, not waste – these precious years after high school like if you have something that you want to go for then go do it but if you know that at a younger age I think that's super cool and so I want to just like teach like teach them about that and it's just a better cause when I myself get to go do that for a couple hours and I get to go hang out with these sixth and seventh graders that have no idea what they want to do. And they kind of, like... You see these light bulbs that turn on. They're like, oh, you get to do that? Or you do this every day? Like, that's pretty cool. I like doing that. I like tracking this. So, Which I'm sure when our, like, app developer coders went in, were like, we make video games. Right, like, right, that's probably right. a little different than I'm yes. like, we build they people. Just,
0: they, they just put Minecraft up <laughs> yeah, behind them. Oh, and they go, we they could totally do this, right?
1: Yeah, and so... But I think for me, it's just getting out there. Like, I don't like public speaking so I just forced myself to do that and like my goal for like 2017 was to really push myself so I became involved with Up as Young Professionals more I was on their board for a little bit I'm on a different non-profit board and I'm speaking at these um, like Grupa I spoke twice in 2017 there and so I'm just kind of like forcing myself to get out there and just make my name known which is kind sure. of weird so
0: build your brand if you yeah, want. yeah
1: totally which with a last name like mine it's kind of sticks out there but it's also like oh yeah like you, you're moving and like you're doing things, and that's pretty cool. And I just like no one else is going to advocate for you, so you have to advocate for yourself.
0: Amen, sister. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so what, like, what do you have? What do you have planned for 2018? Because we have not uh, prior to this podcast, we have not talked about that. But like, what do you? What do you have going on? This? I know you'll you'll likely still be in school, right? Yep.
1: Yeah. So I'll have another accounting class um, in this winter spring. Probably a couple more classes in the summer just to f- try to move it on up faster at this degree <laughs> killing me and um I have a lot of events for my um board there's like a lot of stuff that's popping up and the volunteer committee chair that I'm doing we're mo- shaking and moving with that and it's just funny like seeing my calendar like explode at work like oh you're gonna be at this event oh you're gonna do this thing you're doing this you're doing this which it's so fun to me because it's like okay like in this group, like, at work, we have 200 employees. No one really knows me unless I'm yelling at them about their timesheets or expenses. <laughs> so to, like, kind of, like, bust out of that and be like, oh, yeah, you work there. That's cool. Oh, you're also involved in X, Y, and Z. That's amazing. And so I just want to, like, get out there more, which is selfish, but...
0: I don't like... think... No, I don't think it's <laughs> selfish because I, I think that that speaks to what we've been talking about, right? Is like, you have to do that stuff and you probably have to work twice as hard in order to do that stuff to get the attention so that when you walk into those rooms where they're immediately going to talk down to you because you're not only, not only are you a female, right? You're a 23 year old female. So what the fuck could you actually know? Mm -hmm. Um, Doing all this work and doing all these extra events and kind of building up your networking skills, I think only ends up serving you in the end. Now, Like I said, you probably have to work twice as hard and none of that is fair, but I don't think that's selfish at all. I think that's how the world works. I mean, if you look at, again, your trajectory is super interesting to me because it's way different than I think most people would go about. Like most people would, where you are right now, they would have been in a four-year degree, right? Oh yeah, Or finishing up a four-year degree at this point and then... Or their PhD. Or whatever. (laughs) You're only 23. Likely you wouldn't... I mean, you're smart. You're not that smart. Um... Not that you couldn't do it, but you couldn't do it in two years. But, uh, you know, you've gone the route of I'm going to work and Mm -hmm. get some life experience while on top here I'm going to get my degree at the same time, right? Um, And all that to say, like, I think you've made some really interesting decisions that a lot of people don't want to do because it's scary as hell to go, I'm going to apply for this job. I don't know if I'm actually going to get it, but if I get it, It's going to change, dramatically change my life for the better because I won't be going to college, getting $120,000 worth of debt, being only able to work at Starbucks while I'm at college because I have so many credits that I'm carrying that when I get out all the stuff that I've consumed isn't really work applicable so now i go into this wood chipper that is indeed monster.com careers.com and linkedin and pray to god that i've picked the right keywords so that the job algorithms move my resume to a point that someone who might be a human being might actually call me so i might actually nail the interview and get that job you went a different route which i've often found fascinating and and i wonder if you even know even at 23 and maybe you won't, maybe there'll be 33 or 43 or 53. Cause I, I think for me looking back, like I think in the moment I had, I felt like I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And then looking back, I'm like, Oh, I look at me. I was playing chess and I didn't realize <laughs> Right. Like, but like, do you even realize why you did that instead of just going to college?
1: Um, yeah, kind of, I guess I, well, first off the bat, like my family had no money to send me away. like, to school. I applied to two schools when I was a senior in high school. I applied to Ferris and I applied to Montcalm Community College. I got accepted to Montcalm and I just decided like I'm gonna stay at home which turned into your house right. <laughs> and I'm just gonna go to school and that's that. And then I got accepted to Northern Michigan and I was like okay they're like one oh, of I the, forgot about that. Yeah they're one of like the cheapest schools public universities in Michigan. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally going to do that. And then um I realized that if I went there, the only way that I could get home was the Mackinac Bridge. So if the Mackinac Bridge was closed, I would not be able to get home. Which is like the silliest thing to think <laughs> about, but if I'm driving 8 hours by myself, like I'm getting home. And yeah. so, but I mean, money really kind of played that and then I had the opportunity to help out at my current job. And I've been there for four years. So it just like kind of evolved.
0: But you still at some point had to make a decision where you were like, Hey, cause you know, to, to kind of get a little bit further down the rabbit hole, like you had an internship there, right? Like you yeah. weren't even a real employee.
1: Well, I was filing papers there before I was even an right. Intern. But like, yeah. but like
0: at what point do you go, you, you know, like, to go straight, Carrie Underwood, and be like, "Fuck it, Jesus, take the wheel." Right, like, <laughs> I, like, like, yeah. at what point do you just go, "Okay, I'm here, I'm in the moment," like, because I ask you this question because I feel like that's a difficult decision for people to be enough present in the moment to go, "Okay, yes." There's 900 other other variables here. We can go to Northern Michigan. We could reapply to be a Ferris Bulldog. We yeah. could stay at Montcalm College. We could transfer to GRCC. We could go to Grand Valley. We could look mm-hmm. at Calvin College. We could go to Cornerstone. We could go to Indiana University. All those things are, are variables. Uh-huh. But I, I'm here and I got a feeling about this. Yeah, I got a vibe about this.
1: So it was, um, I think like, Two thousand fourteen, maybe. I was working three jobs. I worked at the golf course, I was doing my paper filing and I did movie screenings and I got mono and I was the sickest I think I've ever been in my entire life and I was like, something has to give. Like I cannot work three jobs and I was taking four classes that semester. Like something has got to give. So I quit my job at the golf course, which was the only stable thing I had, and I just kept busting ass at the, um, paper filing, which led into an internship and then led into a real job. And that was kind of like, like Carrie Underwood moment. Like if I don't get this internship, then like I have nothing, like nothing is going to be stable. And so it, I quit the golf course in April and I didn't get signed on until August was my internship so that was kind of like a couple rocky months of like if this like if this doesn't go then like where what what will i do where will i be at which so that was kind of like cool i'm young and i can do this because i didn't have a car payment i didn't have a rent i didn't have any of the stuff that i have now so it was a little different living back then um but i just made it somehow which is cool to look back and be like, oh, yeah, I did that. And I survived. So I can probably. But I'll do you think it's not too.
0: a somehow, though? You made it because you you wanted to. Yeah. Right. Like, it's not a some. It's not an accident that you made it. Right.
1: No. No. And I even when I was filing papers, I was learning like, oh, these parts go into because when I, I was on the product side, when I first started, and I'm on services. When I was on product, I was filing all of the product papers that we had. So I saw all of our orders, I saw who they went to, I saw where they came from, I saw all of that stuff, and I just slowly started. And then one day they were like, do you want to learn this? And I was like, yeah, I kind of know ABC, but show me the rest of the steps, and I figured it out, So, which is really cool. And it's really cool that I am at a company that was like, hey, you were filing papers, you want to be an intern now, and you want to learn all this stuff and grow and and then they hired me on and changed positions, which is probably the best thing ever. But so it's just it's it's neat to look back and be like, okay, like I've made it this far, so we're I think we're at a good spot.
0: <laughs> so you know, we'll, we'll we've been talking for almost an hour, so I, I'll I'll kind of leave it here. But like, if there's a fifteen year old that's that's hearing, if fifteen year old Allison is listening to this, like. And she's thinking she's going to be a teacher yeah. and she thinks she's going to apply to Ferris and it's this very linear path and somehow she's going to end up where she thinks she's going to be. Like, what are you telling her right now? Having another eight years ahead of her.
1: Um, work as hard as you possibly can. Cause in high school I was, I just like screwed around. I still got good grades, but I could have got better grades. I mean, I had a 3.7 GPA when I graduated. But I just didn't really care because I thought I knew what I was going for. And I think if I just like pushed harder, I would have. I don't know. Maybe I would be somewhere else. But
0: would you want to be, though?
1: No. Not right now.
0: <laughs> Al, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a very, very fun Thanksgiving. All right, guys. Um, like I said, we're going to do a, a bunch of these this week. Um There'll be one for Thanksgiving for sure that I'm in the the midst of cutting. And then um, on Friday, it is the holiday mixtape. And if you are new to the podcast or new to the Eric Halkin world or new to the EOB world uh, in my uh, post-SNX universe, so every single um, late November, early December, I put out a mixtape. And that mixtape was at one point literally... A cassette tape at at one point. The very first year, it was a cassette tape, and then I found a company that did these really, really cool like Christmas-themed CDs, and I would hand out CDs, and then that eventually morphed into the digital ecosystem. So we are in year 18, which I find to be completely insane. So um, for the 18th year, what I am going to do on Friday is you will get the playlist on Spotify, uh, and then I will... I don't think I'm going to do the whole playlist because I think it's about 90 minutes long and I think you would be bored to tears listening to the talk uh, in between all of the songs for 90 straight minutes but what I will do on Friday is sort of a um, high level tour of why some of the songs are on the playlist and why I picked them and maybe the process by which I put this playlist together because it's it's sort of nuts and you might be interested in that and all of that stuff is happening on Friday so until then you can always follow along uh, Eric Holkren on Facebook Eric Hulkerin on Twitter, and Polymath and Vine on Instagram. Have a wonderful, wonderful Tuesday. Big thanks again to Al. And uh, like I said, net neutrality. Google it. Look it up. Go read some shit about it. And we'll talk again soon.